Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and normally what I do is read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong Will Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. But I will not be reading a poem from my book of poetry on today. Today, I just wanted to talk to you all. And I may not be on long. But recently, um, I was reminded of a situation that I'd been through that I overcame. And I decided that maybe I should talk about what that felt like as well as what I believe caused me to overcome and talk about where I am on the opposite end of the no. So for those of you who follow this episode Quite often, you're very much aware that I love to be as transparent as possible in sharing my truth, in sharing my experiences, just in sharing my life. And so this is not going to be any different. So let me give you a little backdrop. Uh, Over about a decade ago. Yeah, because we're in 2022. So. Over a decade ago, (laughs) 10 years, I had someone who I considered very important in my life, who I considered a dear friend, whom I considered a confidant, and whom I considered a mother figure. This person was extremely instrumental in a lot of decisions that I made in my life, including managing my finances. Well, I was diagnosed a few years prior with having a tumor in my brain. And it was monitored for about a year and a half, a little bit over a year and a half, before the tumor started growing rapidly. And I was told that I needed to have emergency surgery. This particular individual whom I trusted on so many different levels lived in a totally different state than I did, but she had made it a point to be present during my brain surgery and a little bit afterwards. Fast forward post my two brain surgeries, because I ended up having two brain surgeries instead of one. They were five days apart. So fast forward past that. If you've been listening to my episodes, I've given you bits and pieces of that journey um, on a few of my episodes. But I ended up in a situation where after I healed from the brain surgery, um, I had met someone like life was picking up pretty much. I had met an individual. He and I started dating. But this particular person who I considered a mother figure wasn't really fond of him. And she didn't have any like solid reason, but 
she felt some type of way about the dynamic of our relationship. And she was not bashful. Let's look that up so you'll know exactly what that means. But she wasn't bashful when it came to expressing her feelings about that individual. So bashful means reluctant to draw attention to oneself or shy. So she wouldn't shy at all, um, at all in terms of telling me, and that's according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, um, but in terms of telling me that she wasn't fond of that particular person. So one particular day, me and that individual, the guy that I was dating, I went to go get a vehicle. Um, I'm sorry, let me backtrack. I went to go look at vehicles. And I remember my aunt calling me and we. she was like, what do you have planned for the day? And I told her, I said, well, I'm going to go look at vehicles. And she's like, oh, okay, so you're planning on getting you a brand new car. And I said, God's will be done. And that pretty much was my response to her. So me and this young man, we went to go look at cars. And um, I ended up spotting a Honda Accord, which that used to be my dream car. And so I liked the color. I liked the interior, all of the above. So we test drove the car. Now, this was about, a, it was a few weeks post my very first book of poetry, A Strong Will Mind, Healing Scars Over Time, through my poetry, was published. So I had a copy on my person, and I handed it to the salesperson to read while I was testing out this car. He was intrigued. Let's look up intrigued. So... As he read some of the pages of my book and I told him my testimony, he was intrigued. So, intrigued by definition or intrigued by definition, make secret plans to do something. Nope, that's not it. Um, aroused, aroused the curiosity or interest of fascinated. So, he was fascinated by uh, my testimony. So pretty much um, we got back to the dealership and he was like, okay, we're going to pull some numbers. They went through that whole process. And then he looked at the person I was dating and he was like, we don't need your information. We're just going to go solely off of her information. Now, the person who was a mother figure to me did not know that I was looking for a new vehicle but she was very much aware that I needed a new vehicle based off of what had transpired with my other transportation over the course of a few weeks prior. So I find out that I got approved for the vehicle. And I was able to drive that Honda off the lot a few hours later. Um, I'll never forget it because the sales guy came to me and because I told the truth. I literally told the truth and told him that I had lost my primary job, that the book had just been published, that I had not started receiving royalties from the book, but I was anticipating receiving royalties from the book. Based off of my past job experience, as well as my potential income, I was approved for a brand new Honda Accord. And at that, that time, it was a 2014. So pretty much that was like the highlight of that particular day. 
but I kept it a secret for two weeks because I was having a tug of war with myself. I didn't have a job. I had just lost my, um, what was considered unemployment. I had just lost that benefit. I had just lost social security benefits because as the person that evaluated me said, you don't look like a person who's had two brain surgeries. So I'm going to make sure I tell the social security office that. Yes, you heard me correctly. I didn't stutter. (laughs) So nevertheless, I ended up losing those benefits based off of that individual's report. And I had no knowledge of how to advocate for myself at that time in that season in my life. And so I didn't pursue any legal action. I just let the cards fall where they may. However, by my doing that, what ended up taking place is that I told the person who was like a mother figure to me about obtaining a brand new car. And as I communicated this to her, I was reluctant, but I did it anyway because she was helping me out financially. And I did not want her to feel as if her assisting me was in any way, form or fashion, me taking advantage of her assisting me. So I wanted to be completely honest. I was hesitant, but I did it anyway. So when I told her about purchasing a brand new vehicle, they were in the process of getting me or purchasing me a brand new home. So her argument at that time was, we're not trying to create more debt because we're trying to get you into this new home. And so um, she as time went on, she gave it a couple of days and I was, I attempted, I'll put it like that because I consider her like a financial consultant. So I attempted to return the vehicle that I had just purchased thinking that I may have a grace period. So in my attempt, I go and I wash the car, trying to get everything ready so that when I turn it back in, it won't be an issue And I hear this voice so very clearly. I will never forget this. At least I hope I never will um, as long as I live. But I heard this voice so clearly say, you are not taking this car back. I blessed you with this vehicle. It is yours. So when I heard these words, I was like, okay, God, I believe you're speaking to me. So let me go ahead and just go back to my apartment and let me conjure up the courage to tell my mother figure that I am not returning this vehicle. So conjure, let's just look this up as well. So is C like cat, O like Oscar, N like Nancy, J like Jake, U like umbrella, R like Robert, E like Eddie. Conjure. Call upon a spirit or ghost to appear by means of a magic ritual or implore someone to do something. So I was trying to figure out a way to get enough courage to let her know that I was not going to take the vehicle back to the dealership. So when I finally found my courage 
Mind you, I'm a grown woman at this time, still having anxiety about telling another grown woman who is not even my biological father, I mean, sorry, mother, she's actually just a mother figure, but I, because she had been so financially, um, she had been helping me financially for a while, it was hard for me to find the courage to let her know that the very thing that she had pretty much demanded that I do, that I was not going to do. So when I finally found the courage, and it took me, it took me a minute, but when I finally found the courage, I called her up and told her, because what I did do, that's what I forgot to share. What I did do, I also contacted the dealership and they were like, ma'am, this is not like buying a piece of candy. You cannot bring this back. It's your vehicle. <laughs> so after I had heard the voice, I made the call. They told me I couldn't turn it in. So then I really had to give me some courage to tell her that's not going to be an option. So when I finally called her, told her that I had told them what she said, I don't make enough money to afford the car, blase, blase. I regurgitated back to them what she had said to me. And, okay, regurgitate. Let me just go ahead and put that out there for those of you that are like, what is she talking about? Regurgitate. Um, so to regurgitate or regurgitation, R-E-G-U-R-G-I-T-A-T-I-O-N is the action of bringing swallowed food up again to the mouth, the repetition of information without analysis or comprehension, regurgitation. So I tried to regurgitate to them what she had spoken to me. Um, and so I told her that. I told her that I'd said everything you said say, but they told me that I cannot take this car back. So then the next words out of her mouth were, if you don't take that car back, I am going to call them and tell them that you are broke and that you cannot afford that car. And then they'll take it back. And before I knew it, I hit my fist on the table and said, I don't bow down to man. I bow down to God only. And her words were, well, I hope God is going to walk through your front door with your rent. Because I'm not paying it. And that was the last verbal conversation that she and I ever had. I ended up losing my residency. But when I recognized that she was not going to pay the rent, what I did was wrote a letter to the apartment complex because I had just signed a brand new lease. And I wrote a letter to the apartment complex telling them that I now intended to vacate the premises and that I was going to need to break the lease due to an unexpected financial loss. However, they didn't take that information well. So over the next 30 days, because I had given them a 30-day notice, over the next 30 days, they did everything they possibly could do 
to get me out of that apartment before they would have to take me to court. Those were the longest 30 days I, of my entire life. I still remember those days like they were yesterday. They went from cutting the lights out. I'm not sorry. Yeah, the lights, the electricity. I'm cutting the electricity off and it was hot as all get out outside. Um, they went to, as far as to try to break into my home. But by the grace of God, I was there. Remember, I didn't handle a job. <laughs> anyway, so all this stuff was happening to me. And it was painful. It was hurtful. It was challenging. And in a lot of ways, I felt like I was being... Now, mind you, before that moment, before I had to give him that 30-day notice to vacate the premises, I had never been late on my rent. And I had been at I had been at that location for a couple of years plus, closer to three years. So to be treated like I had never ever been on time a month at all or a time at all was very heartbreaking. And they went as far as to call the calling the police on me, trying to trying to build a case is pretty much what was taking place. So. The judge told me, like when we finally went to court, because even though I had written that uh, my intent to vacate, that I was going to be leaving within 30 days, they wanted me out in one week to prevent them from having to go through the process of filing an eviction. And because I knew that there was no way that I was going to be able to pack a two-story town home with just me and my at the time, my because my kids, you know, they were in school and all of that. I just knew that it wasn't possible. I had way too much stuff for me to try to do that in one week. So I had called my parents. I asked my parents if I could stay with them. That was one of the most humbling experiences of my life. Ooh, that was so humbling. But I did it. I found the courage to do that too. And my stepfather pretty much said, if you have nowhere else to go, um, consider us your last resort, but if you have nowhere else to go, y'all come on. So we did everything that we needed to do to position ourselves to be ready. Then I had to go to court. So I go to court and the judge, the very day that I had told the apartment complex that I intended to be out is the exact same day that the judge said I had to get out. <laughs> So fast forward, get through that process, move in with my parents, um, stay with them for a while. That's the how that all unraveled. That's for another time, another day, maybe even before a book. So now, I said all that to say. Recently, I was talking to a friend. You know, sometimes we go through things and... When we're going through it, it just seems like we'll never get through it. And I remember, literally, and I was telling her this, I remember sitting at my parents' coffee table, dinner table, table, call it what you want. I was at the table. And getting the mail from the apartment complex 
Now, mind you, when we went to court, the judge said all that I had to pay was $1,200. But because they had did me so dirty for those 30 days, I wanted to take that $1,200 to utilize to relocate to Austin, Texas, because at the time I lived in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. So I wanted to take those funds that would be for the apartment complex. And the moment that I had them in my hand, I wanted to use those funds to move away because they had shown me who I was dealing with. And there was no mercy. There was no grace. It was just cold heartedness that was being um, given toward me. So I knew that I didn't want to be a tenant with the, with that particular apartment complex any longer. I'd rather just take the hit. So when I'm sitting at the table and I'm seeing, I'm literally seeing that the judge said $1,200, but these people had literally stacked more charges. Now, how I did things, and I've always tried to do things, I try to leave things better than what they were before I got there. And this was no different. So what I did was I made sure I cleaned every crack, every crevice of that townhome. I made sure I, it was, it was spick and span, but I also took photos of everything, front yard, backyard, staircase, hallway, bathrooms, dining room, living room, the whole nine. So I did all of that to cover my own bases. So when I see this charge, it doesn't say $1,200. It says well over $4,400. And I remember sitting at my parents' table in their kitchen. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. To the point that I started hyperventilating. To the point that I could not even stop crying because I kept thinking $1,200 was already steep. Now you've tripled the amount, but why? Made a few phone calls, found out that what they were doing was considered double jeopardy. And with me being a resident in Texas, double jeopardy is not allowed. So I was given all the tools that I needed to fight that battle. And the way that they had itemized the actual, um, I'm going to call it bill for the lack of a better word, final bill, whatever, something of that nature. But what I did was what I was told to do. I followed counsel and I was told to write them a certified letter. And everything that they said that I owed, they needed to justify those transactions. Remember, I took pictures. I sent the pictures to my email address. So, and I labeled it the name of the apartment complex. That way, if I ever had to pull it back up, I could. So I disputed everything that they were asking because I also had the paperwork from the eviction when we went to court. So 
listened to, I listened to counsel, did everything I was told to do. And I'm staying with my parents and eventually that grace ran out. So what do you do? I told the truth. So the next place that I went to, I ended up telling them everything. I gave them copies of the letters that I wrote to the apartment complex, the copy of the money order where I tried to resolve things. I did all of that. So I got in. I was approved in that apartment. Now, I thought that the apartment that I was approved in, I thought that it was a second chance leasing apartment. It wasn't until three years later I discovered when it was, when it literally, I got I became real good friends with one of the new managers that I found out the truth. And the truth was it was not second chance leasing. So that tells me that the hand of God was on my life and I got in. <laughs> That's I got in. So fast forward again. We're now in 2022. As I was reflecting on one of the darkest seasons of my life, what I have come to be reminded of is that I never made a permanent decision based off of a temporary circumstance. And because I never made a permanent decision based off of a temporary circumstance where I once had zero income, God multiplied it so much greater. Now I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. Where I once had an eviction on my record and it could have prevented me from having residency Looking over the course of when that started and where I am now, it never touched me. Remember, I thought that the apartment complex was a second chance leasing apartment complex, only to find out three years later that it never was. That eviction never kept me from having a roof over my head. And I truly believe that it's because of how I handled adversity. The adversity didn't go away because I was a believer. In fact, it might have been more intense because I was a believer, truth be told. But I chose to stay the course even when my heart was broken. I chose to stay the course even when I was broken. I lost someone whom I thought was going to be a lifetime friend because I purchased a brand new vehicle. Now, the grace of God truly is sufficient because I was able to pay that vehicle off in full. So when I heard those words, this is your vehicle, I believe that I was hearing the voice of God. Now, I know some people like, girl, you was hearing your own voice. Believe what you may. That's your business. I'm going to believe what I may, okay? Because that's mine too. And I believe I heard the voice of God. And I believe that his words don't return back unto him void. And they accomplish the very things that he sets them out to do. 
And because he said that that vehicle belonged to me, he supplied my needs to be able to pay it off even when I didn't have a job. That purchase was a faith purchase. And I've made a lot of faith steps throughout the course of my life. But when I think about the fact that that situation was intended to truly break me, and it did, but for a moment, but God, because now looking back, the way I handle my finances is greater. The way I deal with adversity is greater. The way that I deal with rejection is so much better. Because now I look at rejection as God's protection. And I literally have not always felt that way. But after going through some of the things that I've gone through, it's caused me to look at life circumstances and life's adversities just a little different. I feel that way about a lot of things. I feel that way about death. I look at death differently now. Because when you get to a point that when you're facing it, and I have faced it, you look at life differently too. When you lose some of the pillars in your life, the people that you hold near and dear to your heart, the ones that hold you up when you want to faint. And then you look up and then they're no longer physically here. It makes you look at life a little different. And so I don't know who this is for, but I literally felt like I needed to share Try your hardest not to make permanent decisions based off of temporary circumstances because circumstances do change. Be encouraged. This is going to conclude my episode on today. But please, please, please do me a huge favor and take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out. Your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye. And thank you so much for listening.